Welcome to CinemaScope, a new podcast from True Story FM. Hi, I'm Andy Nelson, co-host of the Next Real Film podcast and Movies We Like. As a passionate movie lover, I've always relished exploring the diverse landscape of cinema. And when you look closer at the taxonomy of genres, subgenres, and film movements, you see an intricate web of interconnections and influences. This complex cinematic family tree spans only 125 years. So how did styles as diverse as the French New Wave, New Queer Cinema, and Ozploitation emerge? What cultural, economic, and technological forces sculpted these styles? And what hidden threads unite them all as part of the same fantastic art form? Those questions sent me on a journey to explore each style and trace their impacts, all to better understand the bridges between different styles. And that led me here to CinemaScope. In each episode, I'll be exploring one particular genre, subgenre, or film movement in depth, inviting expert guests to help us all better understand what defines that style, how it came to be, and what branches it, in turn, influenced on this big cinematic family tree. For example, how did German Expressionism shape American film noir? What's the difference between Westerns, Spaghetti Westerns, and Brazilian Nordesterns? We'll examine the economic and socio-political forces that birthed categories like black exploitation, and we'll spotlight visionary films and directors key to the evolution of different styles. So join me as we explore the complex forces that shape film's evolution and appreciate the diverse creativity possible in its relatively brief history. Let Cinemascope be your guide to understanding this art form we cherish how its genres blend, bounce off each other, and advance a rich tapestry of storytelling innovation. Together, we'll gain a deeper appreciation for this wondrous, shape-shifting medium. Our journey begins soon. Be part of this adventure by subscribing to CinemaScope today. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. In just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. It's it's like Sim Farm, you know? Okay. Like farm, farm, Sim, Sim Farm. Uh-huh. So you can pretend like it's got all like John Deere tractor stuff. And so you can get that. That's a game. That's a real thing. <laughs> uh, awesome. Which is, I don't know if that's any better than Sim Ant. I had that. that. I had that. <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. That was pretty good. Just just get to the house. Get to the house. 
Um, so there's semantic, but this is this is tractor DJ. It's a DJ thing. So you load up your it loads up your it, it does all the beat analysis of all the songs that you have in your iOS like music library. And then it tells you you can load up, you know, two tracks at a time and you can fade back and forth and you can add effects like delay and flange and and uh echo and and uh uh and then it, it matches the beats. If they're if they're pretty close, it sounds really great. And then you can record out your own mixes. And I have been a DJ like all day, son. All day. That's awesome. And I'm doing I'm like DJing the the worst songs because my library doesn't have a lot of, you know, kind of tracks to it. And I need I need more of those. You know. The, oh, you know those. those right right you know like i don't know where where the where the kids go to you know do stuff you take that one and run with it <laughs> i got it i'm derailed let's talk about you now how are you i'm good i'm yeah? good it's been yeah. it's, it's been busy yeah busy week it has been it's been a busy yeah. week are you feeling strong i am feeling let's uh, talk about more more importantly are, are, you, are you feeling healthy I am. Yes. I feel healthy and uh, I feel good. I feel great. I feel wonderful. <laughs> Little steps. In case I don't see ya. Little steps out of the Baby door. Baby steps out of the door. Baby steps to the elevator. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. So about, are, do, you're all good. Everything's everything's peachy. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I, everything's feeling strong. I like being strong. It feels good. I need to get back to the gym. That's that's the thing I haven't quite done yet. I've started going to the gym. Have you really? Congratulations. Are you are you, are you losing some weight already? If you have you I, have you I, shed a few pounds? I I am. If I could manage to not enjoy food so much, I would probably oh, shed, shed more pounds. That's a problem. Yeah. Portion control. Portion control. I know. Can we? Uh, you know. Um, you should do the. You should tell people about us. So yeah. So welcome to the next reel, everybody. Everybody out there in uh, in podcast land. Uh, we like to talk about movies, and not only do we like to talk about movies, we like to talk about it from first base all the way to home plate. We cover the gamut of everything in a movie. We talk about one movie each week, and and really leave nothing. Uh, off. So make sure you watch the movie before we start talking about it. And uh, we talk about a lot of old movies, so we figured that it's okay to spoil those. And so, but definitely enjoy uh, uh, listening in. You can find us on our website at thenextreel.com and you can listen to the show there. You can find us on iTunes and subscribe there. And if you do head over to iTunes, it'd be great if you could throw us a, a five-star rating and leave us a review. That's It does help people find us. And you know we're always looking to get some new listeners. Um, you can also find us over on Facebook, facebook.com slash thenextreel. If you want to uh, receive updates, you can uh, click like and uh, you'll be getting all those updates from us. You can also leave us a message at 657-201-7335. That's 657-201-REAL. Leave us a message and you know what? You just might hear yourself on the air. And always feel free to shoot us an email at show at thenextreel.com. And you can find us over on uh, Twitter at thenextreel. And you can listen live. And that's, that's right. We're, li- we're broadcasting live right now. And if you go, go to, to the nextreel.com slash live, and if you can figure out the cockamamie thing I have posted up there, 
Good, good luck and Godspeed, people. Uh, I, well, you can listen live if you can figure it out. Uh, <laughs> we'll make that cleaner eventually. Still testing. It's a challenge. It's a it's a test. It is. It's a test. It's a big right. it's a big test. All right. So let's, let's talk trailers. I saw a wonderfully funny trailer this week called "It's a Disaster." Priceless. I, yeah, it's. It is priceless. It, it, the trailer is not a disaster, even if the movie is. Uh, it it is an absolutely hilarious, uh, you know, story about four couples who meet for Sunday brunch, only to discover that they are stuck in a house together as the world may be about to end. <laughs> it, it has a very uncomfortable look as these people are dealing with hanging out with each other. There are four couples who, you know, there's there's issues. And we get the issues, and people are dealing with issues, and then they find out that the world may be about to end. I love this trailer. I absolutely, I found myself <laughs> like it's just great. Uh, and I most, I think it, I'm most excited about this trailer because of the fantastic David Cross. Yes. Um, who is Tobias Funke from Arrested Development. Uh, he's a never nude. <laughs> and uh, he's also, he's got a, you know, he, he did, he's a crane in Kung Fu Panda. You know, he's got, he's definitely has some. Uh, he was uh, in Eternal Sunshine uh, of the Spotless Eternal Mind. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless, Mi- Spotless Mind. He was in, you know, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwrecked. His, uh, all of them, actually. Fame. Yes, all, all of them. them. Yeah. I, I haven't seen them all. I, I don't celebrate the entire catalog, but. You know, close enough. Uh, anyway, it is. <laughs> he is also the voice of Minion in uh, Megamind. That's right. Uh, but he, you know, so he's got all these things. But this is this is like a David Cross film. Like it's he is a uh, he's just like a big part where you get to see him as a character actor on on the big screen, and I love that. He is hysterically funny, and I can't wait to uh, can't wait to see this film. Yeah, I can't either. Todd Berger is uh, directing it. It looks like he may have run into uh, David Cross from, uh, it looks like he directed uh, a, uh, the short Kung Fu Panda episode, Secrets of the Masters, which I believe was something that, uh, actually, no, he acted in it, excuse me. So he, he played Rabbit and the Pig Server. So uh, he may have met him in the world of the panda. You know what this movie reminds me of? I think you're going to hate me for this. It reminds me of uh, The Last Supper. Remember that, as, as as in the the uh, the biblical? No, no, the the uh, Ron uh, Ron Eldard. Uh, it was a the Stacy title directed Ron Ed, uh, Eldard and Cameron Diaz and Annabeth Gish. And, uh, oh, um, it doesn't remind me of that at all. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, it reminds me of that. Except re- for except for more crazy. It's got more crazy. Definitely has crazy. You know, it reminds me of a um, was that um, Luis Buñuel film? Um, is it uh, is it the Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie or one of those films? It might be the Exterminating Angel. One of those where a group of guests go to a house. Yeah, it's the Exterminating Angel. The guests at an upper class dinner party find themselves unable to leave. And in that film, it's they, you know they just are unable to leave because they're just unable to. They can't ever seem to quite make it to the door, and it just goes on and on and on. And it just you watch this, you know, all of the upper class uh, rules and everything all just kind of crumble. 
this it does kind of have that sense of these this these four couples struggling with you know, the awkward the awkward conversations at this uh, brunch only to realize once they've had these conversations now they can't actually leave and they have to just stay with each other so it looks pretty fun yeah fantastic makes me you know what you said Luis Buñuel you know of course what i'm thinking about uh i don't what are you thinking about i'm thinking about debaser which is debaser debaser is a song by the pixies okay right you, do you know it I don't know it. Got me a movie I want you to know. Slicing up eyeballs I want you to... You got it yet? Okay. <laughs> but I am Andalusia. Andalusia. Wanna <laughs> grow? Right? That's right. Yeah. Luis Buñuel. That's Buñuel. Yeah, that's right. <sighs> Very <sighs> surreal guy. I, 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 I don't know that song. I'm going to have to listen to more You Pixies. should totally listen to that song. It's fantastic. God, yeah. I love the Pixies. You just learn, people just learned something about me right now, just this right. second. I'm a big right. Pixies fan. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, so I've got a trailer. That's right. What's yours? We've, well, we've already sort of talked about this movie, and it's, it's out in Italy. Uh, it opened in December in Italy, and I'm very frustrated that it's not here yet. It's The Company You Keep, Robert Redford's new film, written by uh, Lem Dobbs. Robert Redford directs and stars with Shia LaBeouf. 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 Uh, and uh, I mean the cast is stunning on this yeah, film. This is this is what Robert Redford gets, right? This is because yeah. he's epic, and so we've got uh, Shia LaBeouf, who is uh, really lucky to be in this film. Yeah, uh, with some of these people: Julie Christie, Sam Elliott, Jackie Avancho, Brendan Gleeson, the fantastic Terrence Howard, uh, Anna Kendrick. I, Totally loving Anne Kendrick. She's uh, mm -hmm. uh, adorable. Uh, and Nick Nolte, Chris Cooper, Susan Sarandon, and Stanley Tucci. And who, did you say Britt Marley? I did. I, you know, I skipped. I think I skipped Britt Marley. So, yeah, Britt Marley. I mean, this cast is crazy uh, stacked in favor of this film being awesome. So, I'm very excited about it. Not only that, it uh, it was written by, it was based on the, the novel by uh, Neil Gordon, written by or adapted by Lem Dobbs. And uh, we know and love Lem Dobbs from uh, a number of films, most prominent for me, Dark City. Yeah, uh, definitely. Which was a fantastic film. Yeah. Uh, so it's it, this is a this is one of those Prometheus effect films. I I don't know. I don't know if we. I I, I don't know. I'm hoping it will uh, live up to it. You know, it's yeah. uh, Redford hasn't really. Uh, hit it out of the park in a while with his films that he uh, his directorial uh, efforts. The one what was the last one he did it was the Lincoln film, right? The um, uh, it was uh, what was that called about? Kind of like the trial after Lincoln. Line, uh, well, as a director, the conspirator that came out a couple years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then Lions for Lambs, before that, uh, right? Legend of Bagger Vance. Uh, you know, I I think that one had it. You know, it kind of was okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah but just, but look at I mean what he did before that. Ordinary People, Milagro Beanfield War, River Runs Through It, Quiz Show, Horse Whisperer, then yeah. Bagger Vance. So right. kind of the eighties to two thousand were fantastic for him, and then he became uh, you know Lions for Lambs and the Conspirator, the sort of movement films, right? And um, kind of lost some momentum. 
he seems he's really kind of pushing his political uh, yeah. spins on things now. It seems so. I'm hoping the company you keep doesn't just turn into a, uh, a you know some sort of political spin that he's trying to put onto the story. But I hope it really is just a great story. Well, I think it's going to be hard to do that because it is a it, it is a political film. It's a you know yeah. a, w- about the weather underground. Uh, you know, decades later, and and um, so it's a political film, and it's a it's a film about prosecution. You know, sort of American prosecution and and. Um, lives that get turned upside upside down but like you said i mean i hope this this remains a a, a character film and yeah. and not a not so much a political film absolutely still loving loving robert redford very very excited for this film uh new trailer uh hit this week yes yeah here here that's all i've got all righty all right so what are we going to talk about tonight we got a new series right that's right we finished up our john houston series and now we're going to do a little short, a wee little series. Oy. We're going to just do a short, but it's really a continuation of a series we did last year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we yeah, do. We... It's about this time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spring training's just getting underway. Yeah, yeah. It's time for some baseball. I love it. You know, um, so what, what were the films we did last year for baseball? We did The Natural. We uh, did two Kevin Costner uh, films that you really loved. Two, uh, I well, I like to call that it was a mini series uh, that I call the two by two by four series. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow! You I really... still do you know a year hasn't softened my opinion of uh, Kevin Costner's acting. <laughs> uh, I was thinking uh, that there might be a little nope. a little softening going on, but no, no sa. No, you just really didn't uh, dig it. Well, no, oh, well, what are you gonna do? And then and then so it was Field of Dreams, Bull Durham, yeah. and Major League. Great baseball films of their own right but i'm going to tell you uh for to me they're just movies right uh the natural actually gets me in that sort of emotional spot but uh you know speaking of speaking of our man redford but this movie moneyball mm-hmm. i i was obsessed with baseball for i mean this movie gets me really jazzed about it I don't yeah. know what it is. I this is of the set. I can't believe we didn't do Moneyball last year. I well, it was eighties baseball in last. Oh yeah, yeah. So we had a we have standards. <laughs> <laughs> I love, 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 love this movie. It is it is fallen in line with to me. Uh, for me, it's like up there with Ronan as the movie I can put on anytime. Mm-hmm. It is. It's it's just. I, I love it. Am I crazy? It's it's a fantastic film. I, I don't think I love it quite as much as you love it, but it's definitely up in my top films. I think it was a, a stellar film, uh, told well, made well, written well, performed well, a fascinating story, and I think they found the right way to tell it, and it really is uh, an amazing feat. An amazing feat. So the movie, the movie itself, uh, uh, directed by uh, Bennett Miller, uh, who uh, doesn't have much uh, under his belt. No, he did do uh, Capote a few yep, years yep. before this, and did a which was uh, which I thought was outstanding. Yeah, and I think that's the film that really kind of put him on the map. You know, he really. Um, just it was it was a great film for him to make and you know he uh is a a a person who grew up with philip seymour hoffman they've known each other since they were kids Mm -hmm. and uh along with dan futterman uh who's a writer 
and they all, all three of them have kind of grown. And you know, I, I I'd like to say that Dan, uh, Bennett Miller was able to essentially kind of come into his own. It took a, a little longer than Philip Seymour Hoffman, but he really did find his way and and started making uh, some some great films. He does he's done some some good stuff. So I I, I quite enjoy his. Work. Have you did you see the cruise? You know, I didn't see the cruise, and I, I don't this know one, much about it. Didn't this one? This was on the uh, the 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 New York City tour bus tour guide uh, uh, speed. Ah, uh, just looked this Timothy Speed Levitch. Yeah, it's the it's the documentary, right? Yeah, Timothy, uh, and, and then Speed Levitch explains it all. And I, is this the thing? There was a, it wasn't. Isn't there a TV show on like A and E or something about this guy now? It, uh, yeah, there's the. Um, uh, it, does it have? speed in it it does doesn't it oh man yeah yeah, no, yeah the movie, up, up to I, speed up to speed up, up to speed yep right 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 and so uh you can learn more about that at uh here it is speed levich online and uh, so I, I think that's the documentary that sort of launched this guy um i haven't i haven't actually seen any of the shows but the you know um, the commercials look funny yeah, and you, uh, there's full episodes of it online you can watch. So have you have you ever watched any of it? Uh, you know, I haven't. I haven't. I I watched the trailer. It's pretty wacky, and uh, it definitely I think would be a very enjoyable watch. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, so anyway, so this book or this this uh, movie directed by Ben Miller, uh, man, I think this guy's going to end up making some just classic classic films. I think we're going to be talking about this and and Capote in twenty years. Absolutely. Um, Fantastic. So it was written by uh, Steve Zalian and uh, Aaron Sorkin, adapted from Michael Lewis's book, Moneyball, 2003. Have you, uh, have you read this book? I have not read the book. Uh, it's one of those books that I definitely want to kind of get in my queue and, and, uh, and read one of these days. I just, uh, you know, there's yeah. a lot in front of it. There, you know, the thing about the book is that, and this is you, you said it, it, it's not a book that you read and think, wow, uh, this should be a movie. Right. Right. This is a, it's a book that really sort of uncovers, um, you know, the, the statistics behind this sort of new way of thinking about, about stacking a team. And, uh, it's, it's. I think Michael Lewis's writing is fantastic. Is fantastic. Um, you know, he's got some fan, some. Uh, you know, his books, uh, the new new thing. I think was the first book I read of his, uh, which was great. Liars Poker, The Big Short, um, uh, and then Moneyball, The Art of Winning an Unfair Game. Um, it it's not a book that you would intuitively say, "Gosh, I need to see this on the big screen." And so I think the way they tackled this. Uh, this film to really dig into the behind the scenes story and to really capture the drama that goes on every time Billy Bean turns the TV off mm-hmm. um, is it's it, it found it you know it just weaves a way into my heart uh, you know I just am I'm very touched by how they approach this film well it's you know it's fascinating because the nature of Moneyball this this science that they came up with uh, to kind of, you know, this saber metrics is another term for it. This, the way that they use the statistics, the the um, what is it, the the um, the statistic of of uh, getting to base, basically, right, 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 A- and using that and nothing else to determine how to uh, build your team um, is a fa- fascinating look and really kind of a, a, a heretical look in the world of baseball, as really far as 
how to how to make a team work and what was really good about baseball and it it turned a lot of heads it made a lot of people angry it really uh created a lot of contention and uh, and, and also just a lot of people kind of shaking their heads thinking that uh, you know, Billy Bean had essentially lost it and was going to be uh, fired as soon as this whole thing was over, his right. little experiment. But it, it became something that really almost set a new standard in the world of baseball once people realized that there's something to the statistics. And, you know, listening to them uh, talk about baseball, I was talk- listening to Billy Bean on the, the Blu-ray uh, talking about baseball and how Yes, it's changed baseball, and and probably every team is using a form of it now, but they've all kind of gone a step farther and in realizing how important these statistics can be. And essentially, they're all coming up with their own little tweaks to the system to come up with their own thing that they think, okay, well, this is our system and it's going to work. And they all have their own little game now. But essentially, it's become kind of a standard, and it's really interesting. And the other thing I find interesting about it is how just going by the system alone, it, it almost can't work. And that's what I really like about the film, how it explores how how amazing it can work. You see this 20-game 20, 20 winning streak where they have, which is just unprecedented. But then uh, you also have this this uh, this amazing hit by, uh, what is it, Hatterberg at the end, which is completely unexpected. And that is, as as Billy says, you got to love baseball or whatever he says at the end. It's like unexpected things happen. And it's those magic moments that you can't predict. And that's you've got to find a way to blend those two together. And that really is what makes baseball something that's special. Well, I think it is. I think there's another piece, uh, you know, earlier in the in the film as we uh, that that really addresses this issue of of trust and fidelity. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And and faith uh, in those who are supposed to know better, uh, they make a big deal about, um, you know, about these old guys, the scouts, uh, and the role that they play in building a team, that they are the ones who sort of hold the overall kind of the keys to the castle in terms of building a star team. I think and, they're the same guys who, who run the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of heretical... <laughs> Uh, yeah, you get to go to dark place for that. A, a bunch right. of old white guys. A bunch of old, but that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, and, and so we get to see them challenged by upstart statistician and economist, uh, Peter Brand, Jonah Hill's character, and, uh, and Billy Bean, who has given over his faith to this new way of looking at the business of baseball. And, um, the, I, I think the, um, man, the collective challenge that comes from that room is, is so powerful to me, the just sort of seething anger that grows over the course of the first half of the film and the relationship with, uh, of course, um, uh, oh man, Capote, yeah. uh, the, the, uh, coach, the, the coach, Seymour, yeah, Philip, Se- Seymour, Philip Hoffman. Seymour Hoffman, uh, the relationship with Philip like Seymour Hoffman, who feels right. like he, you know, he has, uh, you know, full run of the uh, uh, of the team, and he's going to do with the team what he sees fit, and does not trust the system. And that conflict, I think, that underlying conflict is is uh, almost sort of more palpable, more interesting to watch, I think, than the game on the field. Uh, and I think that that balance is such a new way of looking at baseball movies um, that I found it uh, I found it really compelling. Yeah. 
it, it is fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And like you said, it's based on a nonfiction book. And finding a way to adapt that, I mean, it took a long time. This book was written in, I believe, 2003. Um, yes. Uh, Columbia bought the rights to it, and they had Stan Turvin come on to adapt it. He uh, adapted it. He did a few initial drafts of the script. Uh, very different from what you see as the final film. I mean, I was just looking at the script, and it actually it ends. I mean, the film as it is right now ends. It's a pretty heartbreaking ending. You know, he's made. You know, they've they've gotten close, and then he's offered this amazing job at uh, in Boston. He turns it down because he doesn't want to make any decisions on money. And then you see him driving away, listening to his daughter. Uh, singing this song on a CD she made for him. And he's essentially kind of like breaking down and having a really hard time with his decisions and just everything, right? Right. In the in the first script that, uh, or the first, you know, or last script that Stan Chervin actually wrote, that I have a, a, a version here where it ends at the end of the game and you see uh, everybody come, you know, he Billy's like, I finally found where I belong. Uh, because he stays, and all of the team come around him. They uh, it says one by one, every A's player in the clubhouse walks up to Billy. They shake his hand, hug him, or slap him on the back. Hold on, Billy, surrounded, embraced, engulfed by his team. It's it's a much different look at the story, and and you can see how many different directions they could have gone to write this story, coming from a completely just a nonfiction book about it, and this. You know, Brad Pitt signed on, and after he did, Stan Chervin dropped out. Uh, Steve Zalen came on to work on it. Uh, and and, and uh, note, Soderbergh was supposed to direct this. And David Frankel was going to direct it, and then he dropped out, and yeah, and Soderbergh came on. And he and Brad Pitt have worked together in the past, and so I think there was some uh, connection there. And Soderbergh really, I, you know, he has a quote here. I think we have a, uh, as far as like how you make uh, the, a book about statistics entertaining. He said, I think we have a way in making it visual and making it funny. I want it to be really funny and entertaining. And I want you to not realize how much information is being thrown at you because you're having fun. We found a couple of ideas on how to bust the form a bit in order to take all that information to reach you in a way that's a little oblique. And I think they kind of liked that. But as it continued to develop, I think they realized that it was not going to work. And this was a big thing because I remember they were actually going to shoot some of this here in Phoenix. And and I remember that they had started scouting and all that. And a couple days before they were going to start filming, the head of Sony decided that the direction that Soderbergh was taking this film was not the direction they wanted to go. And just a couple days while they're in pre-production, they put the film on hold. And it was it was because it was just kind of a non-traditional sports movie. They just weren't really thinking it was going to work. And that's when they basically got rid of Soderbergh and brought Bennett Miller on to replace it and brought Aaron Sorkin on to work on the script. So it was it was a long, hard road to get to the film that that they did. But when you're making a film based on a nonfiction book about baseball statistics, yeah. <laughs> you can see why it would be a challenge. Uh, and, I, you know, I think they brought the right people on. Zalian and and, uh, and um, who did I just say? And 
um, Sorkin. Sorkin, thank you. I completely spaced it. Did an amazing job, not necessarily working together, but Sorkin did a great job of, of working on Zalian's script and really bringing out all the best in the comedy, but also the pathos. And it, it really is an amazing story about this man who is struggling to buck the system because he's in an unfair position. You know, he's he's in a very frustrating position as one of the 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 lowest funded baseball teams out there. You know, they had uh, something like thirty five million or somewhere in somewhere in the forty million dollar range for their budget fighting like the Yankees that had one hundred and twenty million dollars. Yeah, you can see why he was trying to buck the system and find a new way to approach things. It's it, you know that that's the the great line, uh, Billy Bean's great line. There are rich teams, and then there are poor teams. Then there's fifty feet of crap, and then there's us. And uh, that uh, it, you know, I think that sentiment really highlights kind of where he feels like he is at the very bottom of the barrel. And uh, and 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 yet, doesn't it? it I, I find it so interesting that there's such a sense of. Uh, resignation in that everybody around him has already accepted the reality that they are, their team is below 50 feet of crap. But as long as people keep coming to buy hot dogs and see the games, that's going to be okay. Their place is going to be here in this game. It's not going to be a winning team. Uh, and we're just going to do the best we, we can with what we got. And Billy Bean is the one who sort of carries a torch for, we can do something different and we can be better. And I, I, that's a, that's a great journey. It is. It really is. It's, it's a a fascinating journey and and it's, and it's interesting that, you know, that came off of a year right before where they did really well, they had a great year, but because they didn't have the money, they couldn't keep the players who were really excelling. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. So we, so we like this movie, uh, where let's talk about Jonah Hill. Can we talk about Jonah Hill? Yeah, you know, I never liked Jonah Hill. <laughs> I I never liked Jonah Hill. Why you got to why you got to hate until this movie. I was building to that. Oh, all right. I was building. I I just I never connected with him. He's one of those actors who had a hard time kind of connecting you, with him. You you love 21 Jump Street. I said until this movie <laughs> which came out. Okay, but what about uh, what about uh, Superbad? You didn't like Superbad? I really wasn't into Superbad. I loved Superbad. I thought that was a great movie. Yeah, I couldn't get into it. I mean, he had been in in things that that you know. I mean, you know, I, I I'm just looking through the list here. There's not a lot of films. I I liked him in Forty Year Old Virgin in his bit part. Yep. You know, I liked that. I, I really wasn't a fan of Knocked Up, so I didn't like that. Uh, Super Bad, I didn't really like that. Uh, Horton Hears a Who, I liked that, but, you know, he's, uh, you know, a little animated thing. And, uh, gosh, <laughs> I'm just looking through his list. And then all of a sudden... It's like you don't like Seth Rogen either, I'll bet. Uh, no. This is all those those Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen kind of... I, I don't I don't like him. So, uh, <laughs> don't answer so quickly <laughs> but then 2010 came along okay okay i take it back so cyrus i really liked cyrus night at the museum i really liked cyrus <laughs> <laughs> cyrus was a fantastic film 
and how to train your dragon even though i don't i i can't attribute him any quality of him to any of these animated movies he was in yeah, yeah um but, and then moneyball which completely floored me i never saw that coming out of him yeah and, dude can and, act yeah, it really was a revelation to see him in a role like that where he was so awkward, uh, smart, interested and fascinated by baseball. And just but he was he was in his element even though he was always awkward around everything else or anywhere. And I really enjoyed him in the film. And I am so glad he did it because I don't know if I would have gone to see 21 jump street otherwise. <laughs> and I would have been so sad to have missed that. <laughs> I, I actually still haven't seen that. That's on my oh, list. You need I to watch it. it. You just need to watch it. <laughs> you should stop right now. Go watch it. Okay. And we'll, and we'll come back. Go. Yeah. I'm just going to leave the live, the live yeah, stream. Our live right. audience can listen to you. Watch it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought his portrayal as Peter brand, like you said, I mean, it was just, um, um, it was surprising. It was, I, I mean, talk about out of left field, uh, <laughs> so to speak. It was so restrained. Yeah. Uh, I, I, there was a restraint that I didn't, I, I had never really sort of felt he was capable of as an actor. I mean, it just, this was, this was a new side of Jonah Hill. And I, I you know, I love his, his comedy stuff. I think it's fantastic. But I am f- vastly far and away more interested in what comes next for him as a dramatic actor um he's he's got um in terms of sort of best new talent uh he's got a whole lot of stuff coming up yeah you know, he's in django unchained yeah and and uh, <laughs> one of my least favorite parts of that film baghead well, number two yeah uh wolf of wall street uh good time gang 21 Jump Street 2, mm-hmm. uh, a True Story, and Rumored Zoolander 2. Would it be Would it be 22 Jump Street? No, 42. <laughs> 42 Jump Street. <laughs> 42 Leap Avenue. That's right. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I, I think he's, he, you know, and and I also th- think that uh, Brad Pitt was, uh, man, I thought he was a shoe in for best actor um and and yet i still think jonah hill was this was probably the strongest part of this film jonah hill really really was great and uh he definitely you know i i was really surprised to say it but yeah he definitely deserved an academy award nomination for it yeah. he was he was a revelation and uh i really really enjoyed him in the film he lost to christopher Plummer, and i'm okay with that yeah yeah. Mr. Plummer was great. And yeah. Brad, Brad Pitt lost to Jean Dujardin in The Artist. And as much as I enjoy that, I, I I feel like, honestly, I was pretty happy with all of the actors that year. And I would have been happy with any of them. I think they were all so good. Yes. That's Brad Pitt, Gary Oldman, and Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, George Clooney and The Descendants, and Demian Bashir in A Better Life. No, wait a minute. Who won for who won for best actor over John, Pitt? John uh, yeah, for John the artist, Dirty. right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm with you. I mean, I I uh, I enjoyed the artist, but it's not a movie I'm going to put on again. Yeah. Did you know that Jonah Hill is the son of a tour accountant for Guns and Roses? <laughs> I did know that. I did not know that before this afternoon. That's right. That is uh, great. Yeah. Great trivia. Well done. Well done. <laughs> 
uh movie did um uh, movie did pretty pretty darn well yeah, it did. It cost fifty million, um, and then with 20, uh, 25 million of that was before they even started shooting, just trying to figure out who the heck's going to be in it. That's right. A lot of development, yeah. a lot of development on this, and then it, the prints and advertising budget was eighty or another thirty-five. So total budget eighty-five million. Domestically, it grossed seventy-five million, but uh, then worldwide, it it uh, made its money back. Uh, Elsewhere, a total worldwide gross was uh, about 111 million. So yeah, it did pretty well for itself. And obviously, it got a number of uh, uh, other Oscar nominations, right? Yes. Uh, Jonah Hill, like we said, and Brad Pitt both were uh, nominated for their performances. It was also nominated for uh, Best Picture, which it certainly deserved that nomination. And it was nominated for, uh, let's see, Best... Uh, adapted Screenplay. Best Adapted Screenplay, right, by uh, Sorkin and Zalian with Stan Chervin's story. Best Sound Mixing, which is great. And uh, uh, Best Film Editing by Christopher Tellefson. So, uh, you know, I was a little disappointed to see that it was not nominated for Best Cinematography because I thought Wally Pfister's cinematography in this... And I, I don't know if I just didn't notice it before, but I could not get over how gorgeous it was. I mean, constantly, just the the composition of the shots, everything going on was just so beautiful. It was a beautifully, beautifully shot baseball film. You know what I think is so interesting about that? It, and, it, 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 you know, insofar as this film is such a celebration of... Um, you know, the statistics, kind of the behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. stuff. Um, it, the cinematography really celebrates, in, in that same vein, uh, the mechanics of the facilities, right? I mean, we, I feel like at the end of this film, I belong in those dirty, you know, cinder block, painted cinder block hallways and uh, that <laughs> crowded room with the whiteboard, uh, you know, where all the scouts sit. And I, I just felt very much at home uh, under the uh, the stadium, uh, which I, I thought was a, that's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to capture that you know that experience and to make it appealing. And I think he really he really did that. Insofar as the beautiful green fields and the beautiful, I mean the the gorgeous sort of. I, I mean, how hard is it to turn your camera on on a uh, you know on a, a beautiful baseball stadium and and not right. make it look great? I, I think really where he shines is is in the little movements. Uh, yeah, you know, in the behind the scenes stuff. He originally was not. Um, was not slated to um, uh, do the cinematography on this film. It was originally Adam Kimmel, uh, yeah. who uh, was who had already uh, started. Adam uh, did the uh, cinematography for Capote and has been around for a long, long time, uh, but was arrested um, it, for uh, sexual assault and weapons and explosive charges, uh, possession charges. And so he was replaced by Wally Pfister at the last minute. That's uh, usually not a good thing to do. You know? No, you know, I mean, maybe any one of those things, but yeah. all three. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, yeah. <laughs> okay, not even one of those things. That was, that was a joke, not even one. Yeah, but, you know, um, I, I did like what Wally Pfister did. And it's interesting you brought up the kind of that real world feel. That's something I, I catches my eye every time I watch the film is when 
when Billy is driving around, we're always kind of focusing on all of the industrial cranes and everything that's kind of out the window of his car, yeah. which is the area, I guess, where their their uh, stadium must be. But it's just it, there's something about that that feels like we're always kind of seeing kind of the gritty uh, behind the scenes of how things work. Right. Yes. And I, I find found that a really interesting element that uh, Fister and Bennett Miller uh, incorporated into the film, even at the end when he's driving away. And, and you keep kind of focusing on these cranes in the background, just like how things are built. But there's so much more to just how things are built and this battle between the two. And I, I just really found that an interesting element to the cinematography. Absolutely. Yeah. And and you know by again by the same token when you're looking at sort of the that industrial area it makes it it makes it feel lush like uh, like Billy Bean's place in his in the car in that space so belongs uh, to the to the overall landscape uh, like they're in they're inseparable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a that's definitely a a gift of this film. Yeah, you know I worked with Wally Fister. No, you didn't. You're making that up. I worked with him on a commercial, a series of commercials that he did. He came and shot in Arizona, and I worked on it. It was, a, it was an insurance company commercial, and instead of talking about young people and how they would use their ins- or why their insurance is important, it was a series of commercials that he did celebrating people who were over 100 years old and why insurance was, had been important you know, so long in their lives. And it was a really fascinating uh, series of commercials that he ended up directing. Very beautiful. And actually, it was really fun talking to the 100-year-old guy that we were uh, interviewing. We <laughs> That's really stuff. cool. Yeah, it was pretty fun. So Wally Pfister, uh yeah, he uh, was a very nice guy and uh, made some great commercials. Huh. Yeah. That's very cool. And there you go. And well, you know, I, I worked with someone else in this film. Do Do tell. Hey, you're on a roll. Chris Pratt. Oh, okay. Who, who we, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we talked about him, but no, I not yet. did it in our Zero Dark Thirty episode. Oh, well, of course, that's when we would have talked about him. That's right. That's right. But yeah, he uh, was in a uh, a film that I worked on. I can't say it was a good film, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, Take Me Home Tonight, the uh, Topher Grace film that uh, we actually worked on it in 2007. And it was released in 2011, the same uh-huh. year as Moneyball. Really bad film. And I don't recommend people watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was quite the, the twit. He was, he was a young twit. And so I'm, he, I'm glad to see that he's grown into somebody more than a twit. What, so you mean in real life he was a twit? You're actually, in real life he was a twit. You're, but he's, you, th- you think now that he's better. He's healed, recovered. You know, I, I I have to think so because I you know he's 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 making a lot of good decisions now and he's in a lot of you know great things and uh, you know and he's married to the lovely Anna Ferris who he met on Take Me Home Tonight. <laughs> they did the proposition segment in movie forty three. Uh, you know, there you go. We almost talked about he that. He played uh, he played Scott Hatterberg in this movie, and uh, and I think you're right. I mean, I think he he did a great job in this film. One of the interesting things, you know, you talk about the baseball players in this film. They were originally when it was a Soderbergh um, property. Uh, they all the baseball players were going to be played by the baseball players. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Bennett uh, uh, Bennett uh, 
comes on, they they change their uh, change their mind. Yeah, uh, and uh, he ended up hiring actors. Well, and uh, there are still might... a lot of self performances in this film. A lot of the scouts, um, but most of the baseball players are actors. And a lot of them are like former baseball players. And here's another interesting little anecdote, because <laughs> I'm just full of them right now. <laughs> the my wife and I went and saw this opening night, and uh, up here in in uh, Surprise, Arizona. And we watched the film, and we really love the film. And as we're leaving, there is a mob at the exit, and we can't get out. And we're like, what is going on? We're trying to get out. We kind of weasel our way around this crowd, and they're all around this this guy who's talking. And we kind of, because we have to go so slowly to get through the crowd, we're hearing what he's saying. He was in the film. He was one of the baseball players. And he's like a local coach here at one of the schools in Surprise. His name's Darren <laughs> Darren Ebert. He played um, Mike Mag- Magnanti. He's the one who wears the leg braces and gets fired or gets let go. <laughs> How cool is that? I know. And look I was at just you. Like, oh, look at that. He he coaches like little league out here or something. So, That's, so there's there's a there strange, you go. strange got, little tale. You're three for three. I tell you. I tell you. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, what what else do we need to talk about with this movie? Um, Robin Wright is as lovely as ever. We talked about uh, House of Cards last week. Yeah, I was going to say we didn't, in that. we didn't talk about that last week. We uh, didn't talk about her. But, right. But uh, yeah, she's we pretty, talk- pretty grim. She is. Uh, yeah. Her part's a bit part in this. It's interesting. Little, uh, you know, tie in with Steven Zalian, uh, both of whom also worked with Fincher on uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Right. This year. Right. So, um, yeah, uh, she, you know, she did a great, I, I think she's beautiful in this film. And, uh, I was thinking more house of cards. I, how much would you love to be married to her in that movie? I, I'm afraid of her. I'm terrified of her. She's <laughs> scary. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, Robin Wright. So, uh, let's see Robin Wright. We didn't, uh, we talked a little bit about Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, yeah. Who's great in this obviously was just Bennett Miller before. So good. Yeah. Um, Chris Pratt, Stephen Bishop, Reed Diamond as Mark Shapiro. I, he's he's always fun to watch and really perfectly cast. It's like this is this he's he is that guy. He is a, a baseball GM. Well, this is one of those films where everybody is so perfectly cast yeah. that uh, and I, I you know speaking uh, of my lack of baseball knowledge, I'm like wow they got like everybody to play themselves. <laughs> uh, they cast it so well. I totally bought into everybody as their as a real person. This could have been a documentary. I I feel I, exactly. I thought the it same was way. a documentary. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and uh, let's see. I, you know, yeah, I mean, so many of them, I I don't know. Once you get down below kind of the, the A-list uh, yeah. folks, I, there's so many of these people I don't know, but um, everybody uh, really makes a, they make a great film here. Uh, so we talked about the budget. We need to, we need to rank this puppy. Uh, do you have other stuff to talk about before we, we jump in? While I get this ready, um, just one yeah. last little thing uh spike jones makes a little brief uh uncredited cameo in this doing what did i miss it he is robin wright's new husband oh of he's, course he's alan. alan alan right oh, of course yep that's great i had I not made that connection at all he's not a he's not a guy that uh looks like a spike jones so i never you know i, I know. see him and i, I think gosh it's 
I don't. He looks, he's anonymous. He looks so unassuming. Yes. He? Yeah. 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 He really is. All right. Let's rank it. Do it. Moneyball or The Dark Knight Rises. Moneyball. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, the Maltese Falcon. Moneyball. Moneyball. Uh, all the President's Men. Uh, that's See, now we're getting into the tricky ones. Yeah, that's tricky. I'm going to say All the President's Men. I am too. I totally am too. Uh, Moneyball or The French Connection. French Connection. Interesting. I was going to say Is money- it? Why? Why? Sell me. I, I, again, it's just the the amazing uh, characters of the story and this guy's struggle to battle, uh, you know, the rigid hundred year old traditions of baseball, and uh, and actually do something different. I mean, I like it, but um, there is something about the the grit of Friedkin's. Uh, French Connection and of please uh, Roy Scheider (laughs) all right you had me at Roy Scheider (laughs) oh our 70s fave I I, there's a lot of love there a lot there is really okay here we go Moneyball or Hot Fuzz Moneyball man you were gonna go Hot Fuzz I told it's this is my Ronin (laughs) <laughs> wow this is the film that i can put in all the time it's it's the uh the gargoyle man when the head pops <laughs> that's epic i i you know i could give you that i guess i it's just not it hot fuzz is not the movie of substance that moneyball is it's not you're right if we're voting on substance it's definitely moneyball so all what, right i'll what? give you <laughs> i'll give you moneyball okay because you're right. It is definitely more substantial. Moneyball or When Harry Met Sally? Moneyball. Oh, see, I'm totally When Harry Met Sally. That one, just the the Nora Ephron dialogue in that one I'm, wins me over every I time. I know, and I don't, I mean, no, I'm not saying that that uh, it's not a great, it's not a great film. I'm saying I'm a bit fatigued uh, on, on, on it. I don't, I'm, I, I compare it to something, to something like Moneyball, and um, uh. you know what I will give you Moneyball because of the Billy Crystal movie that he just had come out this past Christmas the, you know whatever <laughs> whatever that is that abysmal schlock that he was just in so you're giving that to me based on a movie that's totally unrelated I am only because it it sours, uh, sours me with Billy Crystal a little bit parental guidance parental guidance thank you Huh. Don't, you know, sometimes you see an actor do something that's just so bad. It's just like, oh, I you have a sours time. you and everything. For me, that was analyze this. Oh, see, I like to analyze this. Now, analyze that. No. <laughs> okay. So, what's next? Uh, oh, that was it. It's number. Oh, 14. so where are we? Number, number fourteen. Yeah, and fourteen out of seventy-four. Nice. Yeah. So it's it's that definitely, feels pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It feels like it's in about the right place. I like how this is going. Mm-hmm. This was a new thing. This flick chart thing. I like how this is going. Did we talk? Did we tell people where to find our flick chart? They can go to uh, is it what's it flickchart.com slash the next reel. I'm pretty sure that works, right? I'm finding out right now. I think it does work. It we should absolutely know this. works. It does totally works. Yep. 
Excellent. So check us out, flickchart.com slash the next reel. And you can see where we've ranked all of our films uh, that we've talked about so far. Yes. Anything anything else we've got to uh, chat about? I think we have hit absolutely everything. I do too. I feel good. Uh, nice, uh, nice chatting with you, Andrew. Definitely. What are we doing? What are we doing next week? What's our? You know, this is another baseball thing. It is another baseball thing. We're taking. Uh, it's not a big baseball series. I think we have a baseball series of two this time. Next week we're going to do the Sandlot. The Sandlot. Yeah. Man, that's I'm looking forward one. to that one. That's one I only just discovered last year. Yeah, and and it's one that that totally belongs in the in the collection. I like these because I, I think now this is this is this baseball series is going to be pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here. I'm I'm done talking to you. So I'm gonna sign off the uh, sign off the live stream, and I'm gonna wish you a, wish you a good night, Andy. Okay, I'm, man. I'm gonna tuck tuck you in tight. Don't let the bed bugs uh-huh. bite. Only only if you go out singing. I'm just a little bit stuck in the middle. By Lenka. <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna sing uh Hey Ya by Outcast. <laughs> <Yeah. Wow. laughs> Nothing. All right. The soothing tones. The soothing tones of the soothing tones of, of, outcast. Of, soothing tones hey of outcast. The dulcet tones. Mm. Uh, followed up a little black eyed peas. I can totally <laughs> rock a black eyed peas. I'm looking forward to it. this is gonna be a good night. I'm going to sleep well. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, Andy. (laughs) Good night, Pete. You know what I got the other day, Pete? Stephen King's latest. Want to borrow it? Do you know who you're talking to? What do you mean? Andy, when's the last time I read a paper book? It's been like decades. I would much rather use Kindle, or better yet, Audible. What am I thinking? I don't read paper books anymore either. I am an audiobook guy all the way. For those of you looking to listen to the books behind the films we talk about here on The Next Reel, get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at thenextreel.com slash audible. It's the way to go. We covered a lot of great movies that started as books or plays in season two, like Powell and Pressburger's The Red Shoes and The African Queen from our series about legendary cinematographer Jack Cardiff. The Born Identity, Supremacy, Ultimatum, and Legacy. Jaws, Big Fish, The Thing, Bullet, Drive. The Maltese Falcon, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, Moneyball. Ah, Moneyball. The Prestige, The Town, The Killing. So many great movies from so many great sources. Producing this podcast is a lot of fun, but takes a lot of time. We've dropped the dynamically inserted ads because they are so annoying and have no connection to our content. Plus, they just jam those things wherever they see fit. We listened when you said you didn't like them. So now we're directly appealing to you, our dear listener. Please consider an Audible subscription to help support The Next Reel and our family of podcasts. I have been using Audible along with my family for decades now. I love it, and I have read hundreds of books through it. I couldn't be more pleased with their service, and I know you'll love it too. Head to thenextreel.com slash audible and get your free trial. It really helps us out, and you have a world of over 200,000 audiobooks open to you. So much great material available. Dive in with a free 30-day trial at thenextreel.com slash audible. Start listening to amazing audiobooks of your favorite movie source material with your first free audiobook today. That's thenextreel.com slash audible.